four, three, two, rewind. Rise of the Fallen, MMO Quests Pantheon. Once again, time to pledge. Very excited. We're here to talk. Let's get this party to share your thoughts. Co-host Derek. Weekly Adventures. Co-host Desiree. We're almost professional. Full disclosure. <laughs> uh, dangerous combination. Creating content and optimizations. Got a lore video coming. Cannot wait. Which is all about drone fast and some sort of a cake. Mail on a Sunday. News and notes. Schedule for this week. Hot cocoa. All these people supports the show. Adventuring party. Uh, are you ready? Let's go. Let me take a deep breath. What's up and welcome to episode 134 of the Pantheon Plus Rewind. The new year is rolling right along, and so are we, as we bring you another week of anticipation for the in-development MMO, Pantheon Rise of the Fallen. This week, we're giving you the highlights from VR's latest Parting the Veil offering, getting just the facts from our pal Drac, and finishing, finishing chapter one of Ben and I's fan fiction. We hope you're acclimated to scorching podcasts, because this one's a tier five. So grab those glyphs, cast your spells, and stay a while and listen. As me, Theric, and my resilient co-host, Desrin, bring you this week's Rewind. <laughs> so, Desrin, how are you doing, man? Stay a while. And oh, listen. I was so close to doing the Deckard Kane voice, I got to tell you. Oh, okay, okay. I heard yeah, it. I'm laughing too much. So. But it, it works with the acclimation thing, because the longer you stay, the more acclimated you get, right? That was oh. that was the idea there. So I was yeah, I think that. that's that's uh, that's the first of many play, playing on of words that we might have in this podcast. <laughs> it, so it is. Prepare yourselves, people. Yeah, can confirm, can confirm. So, uh, yeah, so my week has been, been pretty busy with work and everything i did not have enough enough time to do the gaming that i want to do but i did get one thing done and i don't know if you can notice it if the recording is sounds better in the audio but i did get some of those fancy foam panels that all the streamer kids have yes yeah i got two <laughs> all the streamer kids you know i gotta refer to it <laughs> just lower the reverb in, in your uh in your room your room is so cool by the way i don't <laughs> I know not everyone knows this because you know you don't like post pictures, but if you if you look in his videos, you can kind of get an idea of just how freaking cool his his like man cave is. I, I do love I do love my man cave. Um, I'm very attached to it. My wife came down the other day, and she never comes down here, and I because I wanted to show her the panels that I put up, and I'm like, it's cool, right? She's like, yeah. It's cool. And she just like walks away. She's just not interested. <laughs> I'm like, you really don't appreciate how cool this, this space is. I got to tell you. But um, yeah. So anyway, I'm officially in the, uh, in the streamer club now with those, uh, with those panels. But uh, well, welcome. Thank you. How are you? How are you doing, Des? I'm doing fine. Uh, it's, it's funny you mentioned the panels because like I look to my left and I have all the panels that I still haven't hung. <laughs> They're just stacked up. Uh, alas yeah well you know the good thing is you can unpack them because they have to sit out for like 36 hours to sort of un you know to poof up or whatever so hey they work with laziness they're they're lazy approved <laughs> but you know who's not yeah, lazy yeah. oh i do is our adventuring party and this week as always we have ziplocks on the dark rogue sparrow on the elf ranger bounty coat on the human wizard screech on the scarbard wiki woo on the human enchanter shuriken on the dwarf cleric Horsesaurus on the Human Warrior, Churro Dude on the Halfling Dire Lord, Fury Wrath on the Archive Summoner, Pavejo on the Gnome Wizard, Asera Avienda on the Elf Ranger, Galarain Moonsong also on the Elf Ranger, and Annoying Llama on the Human Monk. So thank you, Patreon supporters. Thank you to everyone who supports the show just by coming out and hanging out with us. If you want to join that fancy list of adventurers and have your name and race and class shouted out at the beginning of the show head on over to our patreon where you can check out the options there or if you want to just do a more casual week to week kind of thing and you want to support us through uh, the super chat hit the button during the youtube premiere you can also leave a super uh, thanks comment as well as another option and we will add your name to the awesome scrolling banner on the bottom of the screen you'll see during the main portion of the show so as always, thank you to everybody. We really appreciate the support. We do this because we are passionate about Pantheon and about the community and uh, your support means everything to us here. So having said that, we got a uh, interesting show and uh, I'm ready to uh, I'm ready to get rolling. Are you Des? Let's let's get fractured. This week in Visionary Realms News and Notes. <laughs> 
All right, let's get fractured indeed. So not a not a huge news week, but we did get Parting the Veil, uh, which aired on Thursday, January 19th, and was all about what VR calls climates and fractures. And if you don't know what those are, this stream provided some really good baseline information about them. You know, in much less detail, I'll just say climates are basically what you would expect. They're sort of natural atmospheric conditions that you'll need to contend with to avoid negative or other conditions, uh, while fractures are a little more unique being more like a supernatural spaces that can really change how you deal with that area. So we'll get into some examples they gave during the stream because there were some really some interesting revelations about how these are going to work exactly. Now, Desrin climates and fractures, which by the way, formerly known as atmospheres. So if you're a little confused there, um, that's something VR's had on their development table for a really long time. You know, pretty much I want to say since day one, if not day one, then shortly thereafter, if my memory serves correctly. Um, it's it's one of their fundamental things, how they plan to make the world of Terminus both challenging and like continually interesting over time. And I thought one of the major takeaways from this Parting the Veil stream um, was the, you, how it really helped me understand that when they compared fractures and climates to traits and dispositions on mobs. So as we know, like, oh, yeah. right, traits and dispositions are, are variables that can be applied to mobs from a selection. Like, the, you know, an orc can, the same orc can be sometimes an alarmist orc or maybe a mana crazed orc a different time it spawns. It's got a, it's got a range of dispositions and traits it can take on, dispositions uh, more so. <clears throat> but fractures and climates, the way they connected it, it sounds like fractures especially are variable, these variable el- environmental conditions that will keep you know, keep content from getting routine and boring. One of the things Joppa talked about during the stream was, you know, the difficulty and how MMOs have this, having no defined like end game or you beat the game kind of state. They have to, it's it's a blessing and a curse for the genre because it's hard to make a game evergreen, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so he talked a lot about that. And and when we talk about MMOs, you know, we, we often say like, they need to keep up with expansions and content updates and keep things rolling to to keep us playing and keep us interested. But MMOs, you know, have a hard time with this. But what they're talking about with this variability, both in terms of like mobs and creatures and environments in Pantheon, I think can help ease some of the content cycle pressure. So when they when they showed this on the stream, when they talked about this, that's the vibe I got. And if that's the case, you know, I it's really smart design. So I don't know, Desert, did you, did you, was, did you get that takeaway from this at all or, or any thoughts on that? Hmm. Uh, well, so first off, I, I really like how you brought up the traits and dispositions and compared, you know, compared to climates and fractures. Uh, Cause like, if you, if you think about it, they really share uh, like a similar relationship. Right. Um, Cause right. I, I'm re- reiterating a bit here, um, but it's worth like kind of driving this in as like a memory mechanism. Cause if you think about like traits, traits, you know, you can expect on certain mob types. Um, they're not really as variable. Like um, if you remember the last time they showed that kind of new part of Amber Fate for the monk gameplay. Yep. Uh, we yep. saw that wolf pack trait. Um, and we've seen, you know, traits on other mobs, I think in more recent streams. But so it's, it's like something we'd expect to see on all wolves, for example. Um, and it kind of just adds this like little extra extra bit to differentiate them from from other mobs. Um, and so in that way, like climates are the environmental equivalent. Yes. You know, they're, right. you know, more predictable though, the, you know, we kind of hint at, but not always, <laughs> um, but you know, we heard a few exceptions, you know, in the stream, but, but for the most part, like fairly predictable. Um, now, uh, you could imagine like, I'm going to use this example probably more than once, I think, because it's like the easiest one. But, you know, you go up into the mountains, I'm probably going to find some frigid, maybe some wind shear, you know, like it's a more predictable yeah. um, side of well, things. Because it, it has basis in the real world, right? So we understand. Exactly. And just kind of like all wolves probably are, you know, going to have a, a trait like that. Mm-hmm. And if they don't, it's kind of the exception. Mm-hmm. You know, for the most part, climates are... An, you know, an obvious thing, uh, something that makes sense uh, that you can expect to be there in certain conditions. Um, but dispositions um, are the variable side, right? You know, a mob could spawn with any number of dispositions that shakes up that combat scenario. Um, but most likely they just won't won't have one at all. I, like, I don't think 
we're going to be seeing dispositions on every mob, right? Right. So, yeah, not every mob's um, going to going to be a fancy mob. <laughs> right. And so like the same though with fractures. For the most part, we probably won't be running across them like a ton. Right. But when we do, it breaks up the gameplay. It makes us pause and consider how to tackle this new challenge. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I just thought that was a great comparison. It's really like helpful for kind of remembering how they relate to one, you know, one another. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is like the one sets like for enemies, the other ones for environments. Again, you know, PVE. PVE. Right? It all comes back to PVE and right making the E interesting and and dynamic. Right. Right. Not just it's not just about the mobs. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> uh, although that that's something we get attention to. But oh, you know. As you kind of said with your last point, though, I think you think you're you're right. It is really smart to have this extra layer of uh, variability to maybe help fill in those gaps uh, where we might be waiting for an expansion or something. Um, yeah, it's just uh, it's a good design. And I'd imagine it's pretty efficient as well for resources, which I think really matters with the team being pretty small and the game, you know, maybe not appealing to the mass MMO mm-hmm. crowd as much. Yeah. Um, just something to consider, you know, they have to be efficient with their resources and this totally works well with that. Yeah. And, you know, even like talk about content cycles and, and updates, even something like adding in five new potential dispositions, adding in, you know, a new, a new type of fracture to the game can be a small but impactful change that would be, you know, less on less workload but uh, gives them a means to keep the game fresh without having to rely on, not to say that there won't be expansions and, and content updates on the on a grander oh, scale. there will be, yeah. But yeah. More, it's also more than just a patch or just a, a patch note. You know, it's like you can really change the game by adding in different, it's like, it's like card games, right? When they update, when they add new cards to a base set or they just tweak a card, you know, boost it or, or nerf it a little bit, right? It has a drastic yeah, that's impact. Actually- on the gameplay as a whole. Great, great example. Uh, Cause if, if they add a new fracture in the game and I'm sure there's parameters of like, you know, maybe not every fracture can happen in every place. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but just adding, you know, a fracture like that kind of ripples through the entire world. Right. Like right. you're, you're literally updating the entire world by adding, you know, this new thing and um, anything like that for an MMO, I think is really important. Um, as long as it's, you know, kept reined in a bit, you know, <laughs> can't get too crazy, <laughs> but like, but as far as keeping things fresh, it's, I mean, very efficient. Absolutely. Yeah. I mentioned that there was also a couple like little revelations in this stream about climates and fractures that they shared. So I want to, want to touch on some of those. The first one I noticed, um, you know, and as we've been talking about climates are understood to basically be like fixed environmental conditions. And I don't know if you heard this as well does, but you know, in the stream, Choppa talked about how some creatures can actually emanate or, or like create climates kind of like a dragon can create a fire climate in, in their lair. Um, the way he described it, it sounded like an, almost like an elemental aura, maybe a little, I don't know. I thought it sounded pretty cool. And um, I was very excited when I heard that. I, it, I think it, it, you know, if I was to guess, it might be reserved for maybe the most epic mobs in the game kind of thing. And it, yeah, yeah, like it's sort of my lore brain. Here's where my lore brain goes with this is that it makes me think of the lore tale from A Night of Five Voices where, you know, the party's sort of journeying to see Telnarsis, the snow dragon, and the freezing cold weather keeps getting worse and worse. It makes me wonder, you know, is Telnarsis creating that climate? Like as you get closer to the dragon, is that you're getting closer to the source of the climate, you know? I mean, they've talked about the weather and and Pantheon will have, we've seen the rain, we've seen weather conditions, but I love the idea that climate climate isn't solely the domain of weather, if that makes sense. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Desert as a Druid, you're the expert on on weather and climates here. Uh, do you, where do you stand <laughs> on that? Well, uh, dude, I love that you brought up that story because that's actually exactly what came to mind for me too. Oh, wow, really? Oh, um, that's so cool. Yeah, I thought it was literally just... the, the first thing. And it might be because I just watched Sir Medieval's dwarf video. <laughs> that um, would do it. But, that but would do it. yeah, we'll get to that later. But um, I do think you're right. I, I think this is uh, it's some kind of best reserved for those really epic encounters. Um, just kind of add that extra, you know, spice, a uh, little... Little, little edge to that particular fight or <laughs> flavor, you know, yeah. Or just, you know, make an area a little bit more 
meaningful. Yeah. Um, like you mentioned, like a dragon slayer, like you'd expect that to not have the same conditions as your home back in Avalia. Right. You know, like, yeah, I would hope not. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, uh, anything to c- kind of add more, more flavor. Yeah. I, I, I just, I love the idea of a, a boss fight where, you know, you're fighting the boss, but you're like, you're also fighting everything around it. You know, you're, you're fighting, Oh, now, now I'm dealing with this cold, um, which you may have prepared for, but you may have not mitigated as much, mm-hmm. which doesn't necessarily mean you can't do the fight, but it just means the fight's kind of different. You have to other challenges, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's kind of a, a little side note. Um, this does seem to kind of indicate that climates may be able to be um, dynamic as well, kind of like fractures where they can come and go with certain conditions. Right. Um, I, I'm, I know, I'm sure a lot of y'all are like, so like, <laughs> it's pretty obvious. No, right. I don't know. Um, but, but I, I want to point it out because um, it's, it's a lot easier to make a static system. Like, like, um, you know, it's, it's always frigid in this area um, or whatever, but, but tying that to conditions like, like a mob being spawned or, um, like even phases of a fight, maybe, mm-hmm, or, mm-hmm. or, I mean, you know, you mentioned Druid, so, you know, God forbid a player ability, <laughs> you know. I know you want to create climates. I know you want to create climates. Every Druid has been wanting this since <laughs> ever. They want a um, Druid Always school. promised, never delivered. Well, except for a few exceptions. <laughs> but, you know, that it just means a lot more tooling. Um, of course, that also means potentially more in their tool belt if if this is something that they can do but uh, just something to keep in mind that it does add another layer of something they have to develop um but i think it would be worth it <laughs> i i think so too i mean i think it really adds a level of epicness to a to a big fight like that like think about the the boss who can emanate this climate or create the climate and then uses it to their advantage, right? Like, you know, if you are suffering from frozen lungs, their attacks do an extra 50 points or whatever the number. Oh, right just now. stacking like it. Like using oh, it, mean. leveraging it. Yeah, it's totally mean. But, you know, it's that's the kind of fights we've seen from VR in terms of the, the footage they've shown. Some of the mobs, some of the bosses in particular, they're not afraid to use their environment to their advantage. Remember the Thief of Eternity going back to the, yep. to the well yep. to you know, regroup and get its strength back and, you know, Joppa commanding the group or whoever it was, I think to like, you know, burst, you know, get that damage in. Cause they're going to, they're going to leverage it. So cool stuff. I mean, it just makes the game yeah. so much more cool. Um, you know, now, you know, and there, we know that there's multiple types of climates. They listed out the ones on the, on the parting of the veil. And we also know, and I think we've known this as well, that there's five climate tiers, which basically escalate in severity. So when they were talking about this, um, Joppa said the core of each type of environment, type of climate, has baseline effects, which can never be fully removed, only only mitigated to a certain extent. So, for example, the frigid was the movement debuff. You can mitigate it. You can never really get rid of it fully. Um, Joppa reminded us, and I think this might be a reminder. I'm not sure if this is new, but that acclimation uh two climates grows, as I said in the intro, over time, the longer you're in a climate, and then starts mm-hmm. to decay once you leave it. So I'm pretty sure you've heard that before. But when I heard this, you know, I I had sort of a an epiphany maybe that um, how does that impact game design, world design? Because if you think about it, it kind of necessitates a somewhat linear flow of of world design, I guess. You know, what I mean by that is if you're gaining acclimation over time in a climate, that would imply you want to sequentially move from a tier one to a tier five area, wouldn't, um, you know, take the example of the party, mm. the example I gave of the night of five voices with the party traveling through the tenebris tundra, tenebris, tenebris tundra to visit the dragon. <laughs> it's hard to say that. I've always struggled with that word, but if you, if you start out in a tier one and you're the final encounter is obviously some sort of a tier five climate you're going like, to likely need to have built up acclimation over time by moving through the tiers and not leaving them to prevent it from decaying. So I kind of wondered about that. And Jock, Joppa talked about in the past how, you know, player flow is something he's very mindful of when designing Terminus. I wonder if that's kind of what you're, what we're seeing here with this. What do you, what do you think about how that was described? Well, well, first off, I, I 
feel like I need to do my due diligence in echoing something that Joppa made pretty clear, which is that they they probably won't even have tier four and tier five uh, That's at true. launch. Yeah, you're right. Um, or if they do, they may not have like answers to them. So, you know, as in like, they'd, they'd be more like content barriers, um, right. uh, you know, but it, as opposed to an invisible wall, I'll take it, right? Yeah, so, um, exactly. <laughs> Uh, but but yeah, it's kind of just something for stuff later down the line um, to to up the ante a bit. But also, um, and this is really important, um, natural uh, natural acclimation. So what you mentioned with being in an area and you know getting some acclimation from that, it only gets you so far. Um, you know, the main way of getting uh, a majority of your acclimation is through glyphs. Still, um, right. Right. And also, it, it was said that most glyphs are not permanent, which is, I would, that's kind of a new drop. Yeah. If I remember right. I think you're right. I think that is new information because I always was thinking of them because the way they talked about them being lootable, being craftable, uh, having more permanency. So I was a little bit, su- not surprised, but I was a little bit like, hmm, okay. Yeah. And, and that, that, it, that's, We'll see where that goes, right? <laughs> but but kind of going on what you're saying, I think you're right. I, I think they're they're kind of setting up for a gradual flow into more dangerous areas. Uh, you know, part of it, which is kind of interesting, is that by spending more time in a particular climate and getting that natural acclimation, it kind of rewards players for specializing. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, if only to like kind of a small degree, but um, but yeah, with uh, glyphs being mostly non permanent, it also adds this certain amount of like. Uh, progression for a specific climate horizontally yes, which yes. it kind of makes reaching those the most harsh of areas with the, the most brutal climate something you have to really work toward yeah um, yeah so i, I, love yeah, that I think idea. that's pretty cool yeah i love that um, idea like you're like a specialist in this environment right like you're like a sherpa yeah who's really good exactly. in the cold you know and and that you're right i hadn't really thought of it like a horizontal progression for your character as being like really spending a lot of time and getting good at being acclimated to a certain climate. That's, that's amazing. I love that. Yeah. And that's just another kind of uh, additional side of the game that defines your character. And I mean, frankly, gives us stuff to do, right? Yeah. That's Um, what it's always about. Progress through a certain climate for whatever goal we might have in mind or just adventure or whatever. But um, yeah, we but we don't know how long the glyphs are going to last, or you know how the expected kind of time it, it's going to take to acquire them. But uh, we did get a few like ways we might get them. You mentioned uh, a few, so you know we could loot them. They could be rewards requests. They could be crafted. Could be found in the world. Um, but uh, but it, oh, also just to keep in mind on top of this, you know the glyphs have a different quality tier as well. So you know. On, on top of the glyphs, they they also mention like racial passives as well, and mm-hmm. even rare spells that could offer like a small acclimation buff. So so yeah, like all that combined, I think means for a really nice bit of progression and and feel that you're you're kind of specializing um, when you're you're pushing in like a certain area for for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, just. A lot of layers to that, you know. Yeah, I love that. There's so many ways to to do it, right? Like you said, the yeah, way tons of options, tons of options, and makes it so you're not like you know, not everybody's doing the same thing. If, even if you have the same goals, you might be accomplishing them in different ways, uh, which is very important in a, in an MMO. And if the if there are crafted glyphs, you, you'd better bet. I want to know which <laughs> which crafter makes glyphs because right. that's gonna be a good that's. Drac needs to know that information as well. <laughs> this is definitely valuable information for Drac, so pay attention. Um, something that was said that wasn't new information, but certainly something I hadn't considered before, which is kind of saying something, given we do a weekly show pontificating about these things, um, <laughs> is that climates can actually be used to your advantage in some cases. Um, Chop aside of the wind in wind shear climates being used to speed you up like or like if there's an updraft to slow your fall and it's again surprising that i just hadn't really thought of it this way but you know pantheon again is leaning into the heights and verticality right <laughs> so yeah, yeah yeah i see see what you did there mm-hmm. yeah leaning in leaning in leaning in and uh this this sounds both fun and terrifying so <laughs> joppa mentioned it creates like those oh crap moments you know where you're just like 
you're walking around and yeah. the wind shear just sort of takes takes you off into the into a falling death of some sort. So, but if we go with that, you know, we you can actually theorycraft some interesting stuff here. Like how are the other climates? How could they be beneficial? And I was funny when I was writing this out, I'm like, think of an example. And I'm like, I really can't think of an example. Yeah. Well, and I don't think, I don't think because wind shear has potential like benefits, it means all of them have to have potential right. benefits. Right. He was just it just of... leaves open the possibility. I would actually prefer that they don't all have a potential benefit just because it there's there's no like the the world doesn't have to have two sides to you know that's true yeah everything i feel like that would be a really like gamey you know (laughs) way to do that right it's like how beneficial is poison gonna be for you like yeah that's true right and that's the that's the example i was like okay think of helner's cave you know the toxic what is the benefit of there's like there's no benefit but then like to go back to our previous example of a boss like the dragon using a frigid climate to its advantage what if there's like a scorching climate beside it then you can sort of run over there and it instantly removes all the frigid impairments you know that that's pro- that's not something they're doing they haven't talked about this this is just us speculating and theory crafting <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. just to be clear but it you know it would probably get abused and negate the whole system in itself so not something that uh, we're likely to see but just as as a thought and you're right there doesn't have to be balance in all things not everything has to have a yin and a yang to it so it was just little nuances though like that can be pretty cool like i if there's like a a state like a wet i can't remember all the states off the top of my head Mm -hmm. but you know one that like indicates that you're wet you know that has a certain effect like that goes away faster when you're in scorching like you know it's a little thing yeah but it's one of those things that are like if you notice you'd be like oh yeah that's cool. Right, right, exactly. And, you know, this is this is a fun to think about kind of topic. This is a lot where you can sort of theory craft with, but we're just having fun with it, obviously. But I, I did yeah, think it... This, this whole section, just take for... <laughs> just take it, take it for what it is, yeah. Um, I, you know, I did think there was a little valuable insight here about how VR is conceptualizing climates. They're very player agnostic, right? They aren't evil. They aren't... They, they just right. are, yeah. you know? They're, they're, it's the world. The world is... Terminus is not an evil place, but it's it's dangerous and it's challenging and it's up to the player to address these climates in their own terms. So, you know, to this end, he even added some cities in like non-hostile areas are going to have climates like Sky Durban will have wind shear. So interesting, interesting point there. But, you know, if you are into like evil entities, this is where we're going to start talking about fractures because... <laughs> yeah, a little bit less agnostic than the uh, than the climates are. Um, Joppa, one thing he talked about with fractures is uh, them being tied more to specific mobs and events, and generally more, like you said at the early uh, part, Desrin, more dynamic than climates. Again, most of this isn't new information, and but we did get some examples that I think sort of bolster our understanding of this mechanic. And the the one that they really talked about was gloom, is what they called it. So Joppa said this is one of the more common fractures. Uh, it can be created due to a concentration of undead in the area, like a lich or something like that. But it can also be natural, in which case undead are drawn to it. So you kind of get like this cool interplay, like which came first, <laughs> the fracture or the... <laughs> the fracture or the zombie. Uh, the zombie. <laughs> there you go. That's a meme. Um, he added that, you know, the, <laughs> the effects of the gloom fracture are actually twofold. Uh, one, on the, on the player, it has a mana drain effect and reduces healing applied. And then the undead in the area get stat increases. So health regen after not taking damage for a time as well, which is pretty interesting. So weakening you, strengthening yeah. the enemy. Of course... What's the logical question when you hear this? How do I close a fracture? <laughs> how do I stop the skellies yeah. from being, you know, buffed? And how do I get myself unweakened? You know, because skellies are tough enough already. Um, <laughs> I mean, well, so this did come up like several times, you know, yeah. uh, throughout because there's a lot of examples of, um, you know, they mentioned like rift. Like, isn't yeah. this just rift? Is which it has a lot of differences, but. Um, I think what it came down to is that they won't have like one answer to them. Yes. Uh, and it, it sounds like for the most part, they'll just kind of close over time if they close at all, uh, or like it won't, it won't be the same thing each time. Um, and it might not be something that you can yeah. just solve, yeah. um, which honestly is super novel for the MMO genre <laughs> to like throw a, a situation that the player 
just has to deal with less agency, um, right? Like less player agency yeah. to uh, to deal with what's causing the conditions they don't like. You know, um, I, I agree with you hundred percent. I think it's interesting that they that they're taking this approach with it, and it's it sounds like you know there's there's not really anything in the cards right now in terms of how to how to close a fracture. You just suck it up and deal with Except it. Except for stuff tied to certain mobs and events. Uh, I think that was right. kind of a little addendum was like, there are specific cases where fractures can be closed, but for the most part, it's just kind of a, uh, it's there, then it's gone. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, so we can't really close them, but we can certainly cause them, <laughs> which I thought was, <laughs> I thought was very, very interesting because this is, I think this is new information, but, you know, I don't uh, recall him talking about this before, but Joppa said fractures can be activated by players, possibly by quest completion, by defeating boss encounters or, or other things. Um, he did say there's a few ways a player can initiate a fracture and it opened up this discussion about, you know, like you, like you said, you know, the game rift or, or maybe guild Wars two and these world events, how is this dissimilar to that? Because you do, your mind goes to what you know, right? Um, Joppa said, you know, those games, these things are typically, typically like enemy invasion type events. Um, he didn't rule that out for Pantheon saying that the fractures might have something like that. Like there might be a one of their functions but he said that it's more it's more <laughs> robust than that there's more to it than that it's, <laughs> it's, he didn't say robust i'm giving him a robust word he didn't say but anyway um basically they're dynamic like you said like dispositions and traits they can appear based on the presence of a certain mob if a rare spawn spawns they can create a fracture that changes your entire experience in the area right Right. Well, again, I, I, I don't think this is something that's going to be consistent though. Like, uh, yeah. like you're not going to be, it's just not like, you know, get your buddies together. We're going to go start a fracture. Like, <laughs> it, right, right, right. It definitely sounds like something more, um, unexpected or, or even accidental, mm-hmm. um, which again is a kind of novel. Yeah, really very novel. And, you know, I guess we shouldn't be surprised. They're, they're trying to take the MMO to the next level and do something different. So I really enjoyed this stream. Um, you know, those, those are the notes that I had, Desert. Is there anything else from the, from the Parting the Veil stream you wanted to talk about? Uh, well, uh, I know I kind of mentioned this on the, uh, the Plus YouTube, but uh, I think the implications of fractures causing the loot pool to change in some way is pretty huge. Um, I don't think that has been mentioned before. No, that's, that's um, new. I'm glad you brought that up. So, yeah, uh, you know, considering that, like they won't be a consistent thing that you can just like grind, um, but it, you know, instead they're kind of something that you react to or you know maybe seek out uh, in the like extreme cases. I I think um, that that's a huge drop. I I I really like I want to get into it, but it's also like we got into it for like a ton on the plus you too. So <laughs> yeah. you know, if you want to jump into that topic and hear. Uh, a few people's like thoughts on it. Uh, we we dig into that, you know, shameless plug there. <laughs> no, it's worth watching. <laughs> you guys did a great job and got really deep in the conversation about this stuff. So it's lots of good yeah. insights there. Yeah. Um, and I, well, as kind of a, a last little, uh, not soapbox, but a <laughs> little, little thing, just like philosophically looking at the big picture. Um, Pantheon has, a lot of layers. And um, if you were to make a list of all the little things that set it apart, you know, it would, it would get pretty long. And, um, you know, but one, one thing I think VR is trying to do, which is admittedly a really tough balance is, you know, adding a lot of complexity to gameplay. That's hopefully still pretty intuitive. Um, I, I know I keep that. bringing this up, but mm-hmm. like, like in Valheim, you know, mm-hmm. you run up to the mountains the first time and you start freezing and, you you run away and you ask yourself like man like, <laughs> how do i how do i survive that and it, but it opens up this this fun like loop of problem solving and until you break that barrier and then you you know you move into that uh next challenge you know cuz that that's kind of the the progression of valheim is like okay i i've uh, tackled this and okay now how do i move beyond and then there's always this this loop it's just one thing that just makes that game so fantastic but it's it's something I see a lot of potential for in the climates of fracture uh, systems, right? Um, and of course, you know, other parts of the game design too. But you know, one tough thing though 
that I really hope they just got to always keep in mind is that to like balance that rate of new challenges. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it, like in, in the end, I think Pantheon's going to be a really like wonderfully complex game where you, you know, you really feel like you've come a long way kind of by, by the end, it, like, and not just with like the stupid number on your character sheet. Right. Like, but the pacing mm-hmm. really needs to be like spot on and, and all these systems have to mean something more than just like complexity for you know, complexity's sake, which, which in their defense, like I think they're, you know, doing a pretty good job of now, but um, yeah. yeah, you know, when it comes to climates and fractures and, and other systems that the Pantheon will have, I, I just hope, I, I, I still really hope for like a ton of nuance, mm-hmm. but let it kind of be disguised behind something really intuitive that just kind of i i use i think i used this phrase the other night but it just like dares you to try to figure it out instead of just immediately like seeking a how-to video right yes <laughs> yes that you're so right i mean being approachable right being a game that's deep but approachable is is like that's valuable that's valuable design that's that's where it's at that's look at games that are successful that's how they become successful because people feel good like when you understand the game fully you feel like you understand the game fully but right. you don't feel intimidated by it either and at no point along the road did you feel like this is overwhelming i, I i'm never going to fully understand this i don't get this you learn it at a pace and you figure it out and Joppa talked about this on parting the veil he said you know the tier one climates are to help you learn how climates work you know, they're, they're there to yeah. show you what this is all about. And as you progress in your character and you go along, you start to gain confidence in your understanding that you can now tackle them and you can approach them. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad they have that in mind uh, for sure. <laughs> and I learned something. Like, yeah. I, I learned something actually watching Pantheon Plus U from you, the chain of fires into the mountains. Why did I never think of that in Valheim? <laughs> why did i never think of that you don't know if that's like how you're supposed to do it but, but you did it and and i i brought up my my buddy who who yeah is venturing into the mistlands yeah. without like the the appropriate item <laughs> the way that he's doing that is just like mind-blowing it it it's so it's so cool it just cool. because the game is like you know what figure it out yeah. like there's a right way to do this but like <laughs> look you know you're like you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna live in there learn or even you might die and learn but you learn and when you when you get there you know you feel good about yourself and you feel good about the game and you want to play some more because you, you're like if i figured this out maybe there's other stuff i can i can get control right. of well, i'm know? sure like i'm sure there's gonna be so many groups that try to just heal through like freezing <laughs> right lungs, you know right and like, then complain when they like, can't well we'll see right like that's kind of the the fun of it is it kind of dares you to try sometimes like mm-hmm. I, I i like that kind of philosophy of like it's probably not gonna work but you know if if the goal like okay i'm sorry we're we're getting into fantasy land here a little bit again <laughs> but like oh i'm already there it's fine so what that creates let's say there's a particular npc that's deep in a tier three frozen climate right and you've got this guildie that really needs to get the npc because they have some sort of like scroll for their for a nice ability right right but you know this person's maybe they're they're spending a lot of their time in another climate and and instead of like going through the full progression which you know would unlock a lot more stuff to do in a frigid climate for example if they really want to spend time the guild gets together a group of five healers and this one person and they (laughs) and they just crawl it you know and they just try to like literally crawl it if you're dealing with frigid unacclimated but you know like they just crawl it and try to like heal through it just to like get to that npc get the thing and then get the heck out like that is quintessential mmo shenanigans it right really there. is a hundred percent it is it, it's the reason that we love these games because they they allow us the agency to try different ways of accomplishing a tasks you know fi- figuring out a puzzle um and we do it with yeah. you know with five brains or six brains instead of one that's the key you know that's why group centric mmos are so much more fun than solo mmos because we do it with you know we've got six times the the thinking going on you know (laughs) 
right. Well, thanks for letting me indulge there a little bit. Oh, I uh, love it, man. I'm always good for a fantasy land indulging. Uh, so if you want to hear, you know, if you want to hear about some of the places on Terminus um, where I speculated certain climates might exist, I did make a lore video about this a couple of years ago now, actually. I'm surprised at how long it's been, but um, you might want to check it out. It's uh, all about the elements of uh, Pantheon is what it's called. And there's a link in the description for it. So you can, you can go and see where on Terminus some of these climates might exist. I really enjoyed doing that one. Well, and speaking of lore videos, I, I want to kind of squeeze this in there and shout it out just in case anyone missed this. But uh, VR did release the uh, Eridola, um lore segment right? Uh, yes. from last week's dev stream as a separate thing on their YouTube channel. Um, and I, I just I really like when they do this. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it makes things like way easier to find later, but also I can't remember who it was, but they were like, "Oh yeah, I actually like I thought they were wrapping up the stream, so I just dipped out, not realizing there was this full like you know, ten minutes of <laughs> yeah. concept art and lore and all this like you know new you know faction or or race or whatever we we don't you know, <laughs> we mm-hmm. don't really know. but mm-hmm. anyway like it's really neat. Go watch it. Definitely should. Yeah, definitely should. So before we wrap up the news section, I do want to mention something else that VR did this week, which is super cool and something super new. Um, they are offering a one-time access pass to this month's, this January 2023 pre-alpha test session. Um, so they said, and this is the from the tweet, it says, explore the area, try all the classes so far, and enjoy a full 24 hours of Pantheon Rise of the Fallen entirely for free, no pledge needed so this is like this is a thing they're doing it's like a, a contest giveaway for the january pre-alpha session only uh, they recommend that you register on the forums and create an uh, create an official account so that they can award you if you right, right when you enter if you're the winner you know they can they're going to let you know through the forums i guess or that's i don't know but uh, they're going to announce the winner on january 25th and i like just love this idea dude i've been wanting them to do this like for so long this is on my list of like <laughs> I, I, I didn't know, even know i wish they would do i didn't even know what this gleam io is because that's where like it's through gleam.io and like I'm yeah just... i mean I, i'm not familiar with that but just the the idea that they would uh you know do contests or giveaways for you know even temporary access i mm-hmm. think it just it gets everyone involved and yeah Everybody likes winning stuff. And this, I love doing giveaways. Like, <laughs> well, this, yeah, yeah. Man. it's fun, man. And and as of this recording, there's like 3,700 entries, and there's still four days left to enter. So, um, this is when you're hearing this on Sunday, it'll be like two days left. So don't uh, make sure you know. But uh, this is a zero commitment, zero risk proposition. There's nothing to lose by throwing your name in. If you want to try pre-alpha, see what it's all about. This is my yeah. kind of thing, man. Link in the description. Make sure you check it out if you haven't already. So <laughs> go. Yeah, dude. I, I mean, I already told everyone I know that like doesn't really follow Pantheon much, but like once again in the PA, I'm like, dude, just drop your, you know, stuff, you know, make an account if you haven't already, but yeah. like just drop your stuff. Like who knows? You might get in, get to play with all of us. And yeah, um, I, I, dude, I really hope either like Redbeard or Man of Rohan get in because <laughs> they're they're not VIPs. Like you know, they 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 have the posture. You know, mm-hmm. they they act they act like it. But they're, <laughs> they're not. They're um, wannabe VIPs. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I really do hope they like <laughs> at least one of them gets in though because they deserve it. Yeah. Well, whoever does, man, that's that's awesome, and I. Congratulations to whoever ends up winning that thing. So go check it out. The Like I said, link's in the description. But um, let's uh, do a quick uh, look at our calendar on Pantheon Plus for the week upcoming, the week of January 23rd through to the 29th. Of course, Monday, the Midnight After Dark crew is going strong on Dark Age of Camelot, playing on the Eden server. Uh, they are loving it. And all I hear is this, this chatter back and forth between them and Nathan Napalm and all the stuff that's going on over there. So it's a, it sounds like they're having a great time. That's, of course, Midnight's Eastern on our Pantheon Plus Twitch channel. And then next week, I'm very excited because we are starting for MMOs 101 and 201. We're starting Lord of the Rings Online. We're going back to it. We did it the first time and we just did the like basic, like started new characters leveled up. I think we got to level 30 or so. This time we're starting from level 20. And what we're going to be doing is we have two separate groups of fully distinct individuals. So six, 12 people in total, two groups of six. And we are starting a level 20 and we're going to be doing group content and coming together to raid 
made as a 12 person group uh, at some point that's not next week but we're going to start doing yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the dungeon content next week and then we'll, we'll move to towards the raids over time so i'm very excited um i love lord of the rings online it's a great game i i really enjoyed our time playing it i'm playing a bjorning this time so i'm doing a lot of so you'll laugh but uh uh bear is alive and well in Lord of the Rings. Bear, yep. oh my god! Thair Bear is doing some swiping and growling and roaring. So, so if you want to see us do that, check out the one hundred and one group, nine p.m. Eastern on Tuesday on our Twitch channel, and the two hundred and one group on Thursday at seven p.m. Eastern on our YouTube channel, right here where you're watching the premiere. So yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. Really looking forward to that. Um, I also want to uh, mention on Wednesday, it's not on the calendar because it came in late, but I'm looking to get another uh, one of those couple conversations videos with Sarah and Essen talking about uh, world realism in a MMO. So that's something we're talking about. We're hoping to have that done for Wednesday next week. Depends on how timelines line up. We'll see how it shakes out. But uh, really love those videos that they do. They're very fun and entertaining. Um, on Friday, we've got our friend Redbeard Flynn on his uh, YouTube channel, putting out a video about Throne and Liberty, asking if you're excited for that new MMO that's coming out, I think, this year. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah, that's the plan. Uh, Saturday is a very special event. I am being, I am involved with uh, some of the content creators doing Embers Adrift content. They're doing a streamer marathon. So that is basically uh, where one streamer streams for two hours playing Embers and then hands it off to the next streamer and they sort of do this all weekend. It starts on Friday. My two-hour time slot is 9 a.m. Eastern on Saturday. So it's a little early in the morning. I know I've got Drac is going to be accompanying me in his uh, fuzzy slippers and uh, sleeping cap. He has committed. He has committed, as has Sparrow, who is, uh, you know, I've played EverQuest early in the morning with her before. We have our coffee. It's fun. Uh, So looking forward to that. I don't know who else is going to join me. I may get some others to uh, jump in, but we're going to be showing people how community-minded the you know embers adrift can be in some of the highlights of that game and and really showing it off because i still really believe in that game as a as a type of mmo i want to see supported so looking forward to that and of that is uh, the uh, week for here at pantheon plus and uh, that is it for the vr new news and notes there's a question that you have all you have to do is ask i'm the fact i'm the fact i'm the fact i'm the fact all right, that familiar tune means it's time for another one of Drax facts. Uh, this week, our friendly neighborhood fire wizard answers the question: Why is Pantheon taking so long? And that's a question we hear Pantheon Plus see all the time. And depending on the day of the week, our response is either a well thought out rational explanation, or if before we've if it's before we've had our coffee, it's a snarky, sarcastic quip. <laughs> so you never know what you're going to get. But for a real answer to a frequently asked question. Here, let's hear from Drac. Drax facts are back. And this week, we're going to take a look at one of the most commonly asked questions of all time for Pantheon Rise of the Fallen, which is, why isn't Pantheon out yet? Yes, Pantheon has been in development for a long time. Just ask any of the trolls on our YouTube videos. Aside from the trolls, however, I think there is a much better reason why the development has taken this long. In fact, I believe I can sum it up in a one-word answer. That answer is Vanguard. Specifically, Brad's second attempt at MMO greatness, greatness, Vanguard Saga of Heroes. They came crashing to the earth in a fiery death. While many in the EverQuest community would claim that Pantheon is a return to EverQuest, I would argue that Pantheon is much closer to righting the wrong that was Vanguard. Now, I'm not going to go into all the details and all the nitty-gritty of what happened. There's a Badgrim video for that, link in the description. But there came a point where VR realized that what they had in Pantheon wasn't going to work. The programming wasn't going to scale to make this massive MMORPG work. This was somewhere in 2020. So rather than repeat the mistake of Vanguard and try to, quote, fix it as it went along, unquote, they rebooted the whole thing. Some of the VIPs called this the dark time. And honestly, it was pretty grim. We didn't even know if Pantheon was going to make it. The good news is it did. The bad news is the things that resetting things pushed all the timelines back. Now, your internet trolls would say there's no excuses for that. And that's on them for creating a game that was broken. 
And that's really hard to argue with and pretty fair. But I was there for the launch of Vanguard. I was hyped for it. I felt the crushing defeat when it was obviously broken and had no business being released. It was devastating. Going back, if I could have pushed Vanguard another three to four years out before it released, I would have. Maybe then Vanguard would have become the great game we all thought it could be. I have the same hope for Pantheon Rise of the Fallen, and I'm willing to wait a few more years for the complete version of Pantheon. So next time one of the trolls spout off about on a VR livestream, just smile and remember, we have painfully learned the lesson that rushing Pantheon to release is not the answer. Drag out. The Pantheon community is full of cool projects, new people, and things that are just worth sharing. Hmm? What's this over here? <gasps> Look at that. So let's see what we can find in this week's Community Spotlight. All right. So uh, literally just two things again for the Community Spotlight. Uh, I think people are still kind of waking up to this year, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but uh, first off, I got a shout out, another piece by Ben and I. This is just the uh, epilogue. I should just, I mean. <laughs> sorry, just don't, don't, it, don't minimize Ben But this is the epilogue to Amonsol's focus um, <laughs> to, you know, I guess doubly wrap it all uh, wrap there it all go. up but that that's up on uh, pantheon.plus again nice pdf format um i'm curious how, how many people are like kind of keeping up on his um on his story but well I wonder what he's off to next yeah that's a good question i wonder what he's up to next he's not going to stop writing he's very prolific and uh you know i wonder if people we're going to be reading the last part of his first chapter at the end of the show here but i wonder if people have you know been tuned in and turned on to his writing because of what they heard here or you know he's he's in the I community so. he talks in, in our discord all the time so uh yeah so i i'm really curious what his next project is yeah man uh and then for our second thing um the only pantheon video uh not counting i think uh, there was like a short from some channel that does like a bunch of different mmos but the only pantheon dedicated one here uh, Sir Medieval, uh, coming out with another lore video. This one's the Dwarves of Pantheon, Rise of the Fallen, Kazas, the High Mortal King, Kadasa lore series. And <laughs> so this is actually pretty interesting. I don't, have you watched this yet? I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. No. So, it, so this isn't exactly an excerpt from the lore or anything, but so Sir Medieval basically took the lore from the dwarf race page uh, like on the website and mm -hmm. kind of transplanted it into the story of the keepings of Castigue. Oh. Um, and so it's basically, it kind of adds a scene to the story where they're sitting around at a campfire and, uh, Narian, uh, in inquires, uh, or like kind of the lead up is that he somehow inquires to Kazas about, uh, how, you know, the history of the dwarves and uh, that's kind of the lens. And so they got, or they, uh, Sir got this amazing voice actor to voice <laughs> Kazas. Hmm. And it's super good. Hmm. Uh, I mean, it's very short, but uh, I mean, if this is a sign of like what's to come when he does Keepings of Castigue part three, um, it's going to be insane. It's going to be great. Um, yeah. What an interesting way to do it. I, I kind of like, I kind of like the idea of, you know, as long as it's not like adding some events or anything to the story, it's like just yeah, putting them at a the campfire. Lore from the lore, from the uh, race page, it's just yeah. kind of in a different place. Like actually it's kind of a more immersive telling yeah. anything, right? Done in sort uh, of in world, you know. Neat. I do know he was having a lot of trouble figuring out if Kazus was blue or not. <laughs> Did you know about that? <laughs> no, I didn't know that. I'm pretty sure he is. I, I mean, I'm I, totally, I'm putting you on the spot here, but like, uh, he, he was asking like around the community, like, does anyone know well, if Kazas is blue because the dwarves are blue, but yeah. he made them out of, you know, uh, <laughs> ice and I, Yeah. Stone. The ice and the stone. But, yeah. The ice of rifle but, or whatever. But he came before that. So like, uh, but he would make them in his own image. Would he not, you know, like, would he not like, I mean, what, why so would he, it was, it's, a, it's slightly ambiguous. So hmm. like, that's a question for JN. That's a question for JN. Were the original, it was, is, was causes and the original dwarves 
or like like but that even begs the question like but that's the, is, the, causes the, the a dwarvish dwarf. pantheon the dwarvish pantheon and it does like i would argue that it seems in the stories that Kazos is portrayed as a dwarf yeah but to, it doesn't explicitly say <laughs> so that is hilarious kind of anyway love that. super sidetracks <laughs> But, um, but yeah, that is going to be it for this week's Community Spotlight. And now, story time from our fans of fiction. All right, so like I said, we're wrapping up chapter one of Amonsal's Shadow, which is a fan fiction piece by our friend Ben and I this week. Um, so the story so far has seen Amonsal taking stock of the survivors camp after their arrival on Terminus. His uh, resolve and belief in his people has given him the power to lead, and he deems this cursed frost unworthy of his strength. He's bold and boisterous in that in that instance. In, the, in a moment of actual foreshadowing, he has a pretty interesting quote where he boldly states, the gods themselves will have to come down to stop me. So if you've, uh, if you've read a little bit more of uh, Ben and I's work and uh, know the lore as well, that, that phrase holds... Uh, some import. So, but then, uh, you know, in the story that Ben and I has written, he goes on to receive a report of a survivor and discovers an old man uh, fallen into a pit sort of out in the, out in the woods. The man seems to know who Amonsal is, but uh, the immediate, the immediate concern is the safety of a child that's lying beside him. So there's a snake that threatens the two and Amonsal manages to retrieve the child from the old man. And that's where we pick up the story and that the child has now been passed into Amonsal's arms. So, Please enjoy the remainder of chapter one of Amonsal's Shadow. At that moment, the boy who had been asleep until now began to stir. The adder raised up higher and the new movement and sound and bobbed quickly backwards. Seeing the tension raise, Amonsal continued his climb around the side of the trees. Once in place, the old man comforted the boy, shushed him, and told him not to move as he was hoisted Amonsal into the air the boy and into the and waiting hands swung him over the side of the trees and as stealthily as he could, lowered him onto the ground, outside, and scurried him up the knoll, away from danger. The old man waited patiently, with the snake still poised. Eminsal made his way back in no time, and rejoined the mix from the side of the alcove, back up on the branches. All right, it's your turn, uncle. How should we do this? Eminsal asked. The man was too far below the top branch to be grabbed, and hoisted over from the top like the boy. Besides, it would be too slow to get him out without startling the vicious snake. All this is for nothing. I bet that snake isn't even venomous, Amonsal retorted. It didn't seem to lighten the mood as he had hoped. He needed to get a better look at what the situation was in order to formulate his plan. Okay, I'm going to climb up to the top here and stand up so I can assess what we need to do here. Amonsal began climbing, quietly and deliberately. The peaking sun had brought a break in the bitter cold wind, but this morning, and some snow was beginning to melt, making the smoother trunks and branches much more slick. He reached the top of the barrier and set his feet on it. The top branch there was only about six feet off the ground, but the old man was sitting in a reclined position, and he could in no way reach Amensel's hand for sure if he was leaning over the side. Amensel's head swam with scenarios. None of them were good. He had to keep the mood light while he was figuring this out. So apparently, you know me, Amitzal said, hoping to learn the old man's intentions with the knowledge of his past. Do I know you? You have no reason to know of me, Master Amitzal, the old man replied. The boy, on the other hand, has a much different answer. Amitzal's face turned to steel. What is the boy's name? Oh, we mustn't call people names now, mustn't we? The old man quipped, turning no emotion. Sir, what is the boy's name? Amonsal was turning desperate, his heart racing and pulling his focus from his task at hand. I think you might know it, dear Amonsal, the man said, his voice lowering. Tell me his name, Amonsal raised his voice, dreading the answer he already knew. The old man paused, waiting for Amonsal to answer himself who the boy was. No answer came. Very well. Just then, a supporting branch slipped just enough under Amonsal's weight to throw him off balance, and he slid into the hole with the old man and the serpent. The old man, focused full on the adder, slid his legs around the side of Amonsal's calves, just in time for the uncoiling snake to sink his teeth into his worn flesh. Searing pain washed over the body, and he let out a roar. 
At that, a rustle in the woods surrounding produced a nest full of white snakes, drawn by the cry of the old man. Amonsal scrambled to try and regain his footing from the inside of the hollow, but in his mental frenzy, he could not regain his composure. The old man, through his suffering, deduced his life was forfeit. He could feel the poison working its way through him immediately. Amonsal had to be saved. There was no other way and he knew it. He only knew to do things as he was trained. Amonsal suddenly heard the old man's voice go deep, as if it rumbled in his bones. The rustling of the snakes was drawing closer, and he knew his time had expired. But the rumbling... The old man let out a cry with a fist to the ground. Time seemed to stop for a second for Amonsal. A sensation, like the surf sucking you further in, ran over his body. For a moment, it seemed to him as if he were floating. He met eyes with the old man in that instant. The old man in a roar, his face distorted with the force of a thundering wind on open seas, his fist seeming to penetrate the ground where he sat. The power of the doomed man was explosive, and as quickly as that moment came, it was gone. Amonsal felt the full force of the old man's spell as his body was thrown into the air, over the branches and three cubits to the outside, away from the incoming danger. Amonsal regained possession of his senses in time to see the onslaught of at least 30 adders rush into the nesting place. However, the force of the old man's magic had created a flame in the bowels of the wooden cave. As if motivated by the melting snow, the whole nest went up like a tinderbox, consuming man and snake alike. And Amonsal looked on. Returning with some laborers, Amonsal's companion rushed to the side of his staggering friend as he watched their feature burn. By the gods, what happened here, Amonsal? The warrior gasped. But a moment earlier, they were speaking of gathering all the resources of this gifted find, and now nothing would be left. How did a fire start here, in the midst of all this snow? Amonsal still looked on. A million thoughts raced through him all at once, and none with resolution. A million questions poured over him, and none with final answers, only suggestions. After several minutes of watching the flames lick high into the air, he finally was able to force out some words. I found a boy. In the trees. I, I rescued him, Amonsal's friend stared, still stunned by the shocking and tragic turn of events still this early in the morning. The boy was in fact laying up the side of the knoll, heading back to camp, in the snow, saying not a word. Amonsal continued. There were snakes. A nest. We can't... Snakes? In this ferocious winter? And fire in this snow? If I hadn't seen with my own eyes, I'd have said you were mad for sure. Amonsal slowly was regaining some composure. He still could not explain all that had happened to his friend. He still could not explain it all to himself. So many questions still unanswered, but the boy was the key. He had to quench his suspicions, but all in due time. Nobody else seemed to be asking any questions that pertained to their old lives, and for now, that was not necessary. Things needed to be done now, and he needed to bide time until he could get answers from the boy. Yes, Amonsal finally spoke up. Snakes, flames, refugee children, it's a story that we'll have to wait for now. This has set us back. Amonsal turned and faced back toward camp, and his pace slowly gained until he was at least pretending to be single-minded, as he had been earlier that morning. We can't stay here. It's too dangerous. The mountains at our doorstep are bringing nothing but misery. We should head west, try to find some better situations, and hopefully some other intelligent inhabitants in this cursed frost. As he passed by the boy, still sitting in the snow where he had left him, he held out his hand for the young child to help him up, and the child took it. And before we leave this section, I want to say I'm hyped for next week because we're starting a new fan fiction piece by community member Fate, also known as Byproducts, uh, in their story called Tyrion Grove Finder. This Yay! is yeah, yeah. I haven't. Um, I, I talked to Fate today, and by the way, Fate is also joining us for MMO 201. Playing Lotro was a nice uh, addition to our group, and uh, looking forward to uh, doing some gaming with them. Um, but um, their tale here, Tyrion Grove Finder, is one I haven't read in a while, um, so I'm excited excited to reread it and to record it and of course add some some atmospheric music and and time permitting sound effects if i can um so thank you fate for sharing this story with the show and to all those who have embraced pantheon's lore to this extent you know that they're so inspired 
to channel their inner writer, you know, and maybe you have a story to be told. Maybe you're a writer and you've always wanted to write something, you know, and if so, you know, let me know. Perhaps we can share it in the show if you've done it already or if you're working on it. Um, Same thing goes for our work, by the way. And, And while we're here, it's worthy to mention that, you know, in a prior segment, you saw all that fan artwork being shown on screen during the, um, during the previous segment. Uh, if you're an artist of any level and you just want to share your work, um, Pantheon-related artwork, you can join our Discord, throw it in the Rewind Art channel, and it will show it on the show. Of course, we'd love to, and uh, we love the talented folks in the Pantheon community, so keep up the good work. And that is the lore you know, and that's the end of the show. So, <laughs> Desrin. And, and that's it. <laughs> that's it, yeah. No, I actually, and I do have some outro notes. I just want to remind everybody that, you know, I'm excited. You You mentioned it earlier, but pre-alpha testing's right around the corner. We got a we got a weekend coming up. Jump back in and I'm super excited. So, definitely. Yeah. I mean, who wouldn't be? Who wouldn't be? And uh, remember if you want to do a little pre pre-alpha <laughs> stream, um that Embers of Drift stream is Saturday morning. That's right before the pre-alpha starts. So, if you want to hang out with me, watch me play a different MMO as I sort of warm myself up for pantheon um you know come and jump in our embers adrift streamer marathon weekend we can get excited for old school mmos together so with that desrin get your beauty rest man we're gonna need it (laughs) yes indeed and with that i'll say goodbye thank you everyone for hanging out with us today hope you have a great week we'll see you next weekend have a great week everyone thank you for listening to this week's episode of the pantheon plus rewind Pantheon Plus is not affiliated with Visionary Realms. Be sure to check out our Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube channels under the name Pantheon Plus. You can follow Theric at Pantheon Theric on Twitter, and Desrin at Desrin Does also on Twitter. And you can stay up to date with all things Pantheon at www.pantheon.plus. Until next time, cheers, and thanks for listening.